0: the following audio is from citizens church in charlotte north carolina if you're interested in getting involved with our family visit citizenscharlotte.com connect
1: today's teaching text comes from john seventeen twenty through 26 i do not ask for these only but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one just as you father are in me and i in you that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we in one. I in them, and you and me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
0: Well, family, good to see you again. If we haven't met before, my name's Garrison, one of the pastors here. If you have a Bible, you can go John 17, as we just read. Let me pray for us, um, and then we will get into God's word together. Father God, we thank you for the gathering of your people. Help us not to forget that this is a privilege and a gift, a blood bought gift that you secured to us, secured for us in Christ. God, uh, we thank you um, for Jesus and and the model um, for prayer, um, that he prayed for us on earth and that now he lives to intercede for us at your right hand. Be with us, Lord, in your name. Amen Well, if you're just hopping in with us for the back half of our fall series that we've called Rhythms and Formation," It's one of three uh, parts that we've done each fall, and this fall we've looked at uh, the, the, the rhythm of doing what Jesus did. We've looked at different routines and practices in his life, and then have talked about how can we implement that in our lives. And tonight, we're talking about prayer and I think tonight should be pretty fun for us because I'm only going to preach for 15 minutes. Shortest sermon, yeah, you can cheer, whatever. Um, and we're going to spend the rest of our time actually doing the practice. There's a couple reasons for that. One is last week, you know, I preached a 48-minute sermon on simplicity, which is ironic. And then next week, Tim's preaching on deconstruction. So we're like, let's take a timeout. Um, let's, let's breathe. But honestly, um, another part of it is we've we've preached a good bit on prayer. A lot of the ins and outs, a lot of the theological foundations throughout uh, the last two falls as well as in this series. And we're actually going to do a whole sermon series in the spring on the Lord's Prayer. So we're spending a lot of time on the hows, on the whats, on the whys of prayer. So what I wanted to do tonight is really just get us praying. To talk about this is what Jesus did. What does that mean for us? Now let's Pray. Let's not just be hearers of the word, but doers. Because here's my experience when it comes to prayer, and you've probably all experienced something similar, right? You're at a you coffee with a friend, or uh, on a phone call with a family member or or friend, or in your community group, and somebody says, "Will you be praying for me about this? Will you be praying? Will you pray for me?" And we immediately say, "Of course, yes." I will pray for you. I wonder, though, what the answer would be if we were honest about what was about to happen in regards to us praying for them. I wonder if it would go something more like, well, it's pretty early, and I skipped my quiet time to be here at this coffee appointment with you, and I skipped my quiet time, it's not going well already, and I'm about to get in the car, and there's going to be a lot of traffic, and I'm going to be so frustrated and annoyed. God and you are really... Probably not going to be on my mind much. I'm sorry. Then I'm going to go to work. I'm in front of a screen all day. I'll, I'll spend a good bit of time on Facebook, Instagram, maybe scroll through a TikTok or two. And by the way, I have a phone. It has every single piece of information that's ever existed. So that'll take up some time in my mind. And then I'll go home and I'll cook some food, maybe play with my kids, talk to my spouse or roommates, watch some TV and go to bed. So if you come to mind, I will definitely pray for you. But you probably won't, so I'm probably not going to pray for you. I'm sorry? Maybe ask again later? I, I don't know. It, is that just me? You're kind of quiet, so maybe it is. Maybe I'm just terrible and you're great at this. I, I don't know. But if you are anything like me, that's all too often how it goes. I do it sometimes, maybe. I'm honestly very distracted and rushed, so if I do it, if I do pray for somebody, it's usually half-hearted and rushed, Yes, I'm terrible, but how about you? Let's, let's do something called a little bit of a, a prayer audit. How is your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Um, how many times in the past week have you only prayed for yourself? Maybe you don't have a number, right? Maybe it's not like uh, 65 times. I, I don't know. But maybe it's like more like a pie. What's the portion of the pie that you just pray for you? What about for others? How many, how many times have you prayed for other people? Um, If God answered every single one of your prayers for your community group, for your friends, for your marriages, what would be different? What about in our church? Or your neighborhood? Or our world? What would be different? I I think if we're honest, all of us to some degree, maybe you're not as terrible as me, but to some degree, we can, we can see that we don't pray like we should. We don't pray for others like we should. We don't pray for the world like we should. So for tonight, the practice that we're invited into is prayer, but specifically intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer. Or to intercede for someone else or something else in prayer. You could uh, simply just call it praying, praying for other people. Praying for someone else. Uh, to intercede is to ask for something on behalf of someone else. You see this all the time um, in kids with their friends, or honestly teenagers. You probably did this a lot. I did this a lot, right? You're at like a sleepover. You're hanging out at your friend's house, and maybe it's like getting late, and you're like, let's, let's order some pizza, or like see if your mom will make us some cookies. And You're like, go ask your mom, and then you're like, no, you ask my mom and you send in your friend to be a you know intercessor for you. That is a picture of intercessory prayer. But instead for us of asking for pizza from your mom, we're asking for God to move in the world and to move in the hearts of those that we love. The word intercession is actually only used twice in the New Testament. The word is intuxis. But the idea is is all over the scriptures. It it actually is less of a definition. It's more of it paints a picture for us. And the picture is that of when we go to intercede for someone else, we're going into the throne room of God. That's what it means on a biblical level to, to pray for someone else, that you enter in to the king's court pleading for someone else. So when we pray for others, we come to the throne of God interceding because he's the king. He's in control. He has all power and authority to do what we are asking. So to intercede is to ask. It's to go to God and ask for help. So I'm going to show you this in the life of Jesus and just see one of the prayers where he intercedes for others. So John 17, you can flip there, or you can follow along on the screen behind me. John 17 This is uh, at the tail end of what is famously called the Last Supper discourse, where Jesus is giving a farewell speech uh, to his disciples uh, before he goes to the cross. He's preparing them for what's to come. There's a lot of famous one-liners in this discourse. Maybe you would recognize things like, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You must abide in me. He promises the Holy Spirit. And then he ends with a prayer. So let's pick it up in verse 20, John 17. Prayer reads this. It says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So we're hopping in midway through the prayer here. So uh, he's prayed for the disciples at this point, that they all be one and to be prepared for what is to come. And now he's switching to pray for those, not just them, but for those who will believe because of their word, which is pretty cool because Jesus, in other words, is praying for you. He's praying for us for those who would believe because of the testimony and the words of the disciples. That's us. what does he pray for? He says that they would be one, that there would be unity in the church amongst Christians. And he says, why? One, so that we may be in them, meaning union with God, and that also so the world may see and believe. And he keeps harping on this in verse 22. Keep going so there's a direct correlation between our relationships with one another in the church as Christians and our witness to the world, in the onlooking world. When there's disunity and strife in the church, our testimony loses power. It loses what it was meant to show to the world, God's love. And so Jesus prays against divisiveness and disunity. And so he continues to pray not just for unity, but for those who have been given to him, that we would be with him where he is, which is a beautiful prayer. Jesus, uh, in his words, he says he's going to prepare a place for us. He says this earlier in, um, in the discourse, and he longs for us to be there with him. He longs for eternal relationships with us in heaven forever. Beautiful. So he's praying that God would protect us and sustain us. So Jesus prays for two things. One, unity, that his people would be one, and that uh, in doing so, we would be in unity with one another and with him, and that the world would look on and see God's love displayed. But two, he prays for strength and endurance for his people. So this is the, the perfect model for intercessory prayer. Very simply, Jesus sees a need. And he goes to God, and he asks for God to do something. He asks for God to step in. And as we know, this is Jesus' last night on earth. Later on in the evening, he'll be betrayed. He'll be turned over to the religious leaders and eventually to the Roman authorities and crucified. And three days later, he'll rise from the dead. And now he's ascended and sits at the right hand of the Father, which is the best news for our prayer lives. It's the best news for our prayer lives. One, because now when we step into that throne room, right? That's what we're doing when we intercede. We don't just step in as random folks coming before a king like, hey, would you help? We step in as royalty. We step in as people clothed in Jesus' perfect righteousness. When the Father sees us, he sees Jesus. So there there is power in your prayer because you're royalty in the eyes of the Father. It's also good news because we have Jesus who was our intercessor on earth, but now in heaven. He's our advocate that sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us as we intercede for others. What a wonderful picture. In the the words of Romans 8.34, it says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Us or in the words of Hebrews seven, the former priests were many in number, because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near God to draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. As we go to the Father, clothed in Jesus' perfect righteousness, we also have Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, pleading for us and our weakness and our prayers that maybe aren't perfect and lined up with the will of God. He prays the perfect prayers. He interprets for us, he intercedes for us forever, sits at the right hand. So, what we do is we go to God, we pray. Say, let the kingdom break in more and more in our city, in our friends, change our hearts, change those around us, help us. And Jesus is faithful to plead for us as well. So that's the sermon, guys. Very simple. We struggle to to pray. We don't make time. We're rushed. We're absent-minded. But Jesus is our perfect example. Gives us his perfect righteousness. So we have the privilege of going to God and we have his ear. And Jesus is our advocate at the right hand of the Father. So what do we do? We pray. We pray. And before we pray, I just want to spend a little bit of time introducing um, our weekly practice that we do every week aligned with the series. And our and our practice for this week is prayer cards. They should be, um, I think, at the end of your row, they're kind of index cards. Um, with different colors. Um, A little story for you. Um, D.L. Moody, he was someone probably you've never heard of, but he was a traveling evangelist in the late 1800s and is well known to be one of the most influential evangelists of um, the 19th century. Um, Some would say even of the modern church era. He would preach in front of crowds upwards of 30,000 people. Um, leading revivals, tons of people coming to know Jesus. And often, people will come to him and say, what's the secret sauce? How are you, what's going on here? How are you you able to draw such crowds? How are so many people coming in? How how do your words have so much power? And his answer was always very simple. it's just prayer. Prayer is the secret sauce. Moody, um, he famously carried a list of 100 names, uh, a prayer card. Um, of a hundred people that he knew that didn't know Jesus. And he carried around in his pockets every day of his life, and he prayed for them throughout the day um, for his adult life. And when he died, 96 of those names um, were answered prayer, which is a pretty good success rate for prayer. Um, It's said that uh, at his funeral, the last four were so moved that they actually came to faith at the service. So our practice is very simple. That's a very pragmatic way um, to implement uh, intercessory prayer in your life. So we're going to give you some cards. You can make your own cards as well. We just wanted to be helpful as you can. You can put names on there of people that don't know Jesus, people in your life that are maybe um, struggling or unrepentant. You could put big things like our church or our city and brokenness and the world or just people you're praying for healing and strength and things like that. Um, And you'll carry those around uh, for the week, hopefully, and then for the rest of your life, maybe, I don't know. Um, But what we're going to do is we're going to get a little bit of a head start on the practice for this week. So um, what I want us to do is, uh, Megan, we throw the original question, initial questions back up, hone in on, on that last one, what would be different if God answered all of your prayers from the past week? Re- really think about that. Or maybe even, uh, what, what would be different if God answered all of the prayers that maybe you gave up, you've you given up on praying to? And so what we're going to do is we're going to break off into groups of three or four. You can just huddle up with uh, the people that you're sitting around. And we're just going to spend the rest of our time, um, 10 or 15 minutes, just putting this into practice. And we're going to pray through some prompts together of a couple different things. And that'll be it uh, for our time tonight. So you can go ahead and, and break off. If you, um, For Citizens Church family, if you recognize someone you don't know, uh, maybe invite them into your little pair. Um, and we will start praying in just a second. I'm going to pray for us, and then you can break off. Jesus, we we thank you that you live to intercede for us. That as we come before the throne in our weakness, in prayers that maybe have selfish motives and a lack of foresight, we, we don't know what to pray much of the time. That you intercede on our behalf, that you're the perfect advocate, that you pray the perfect prayers in our place. And Father, we thank you that by your grace we come into your throne room and you see us not as strangers or as sinners but as sons and daughters clothed in Jesus' righteousness. And we thank you that we have your ear. We are undeserving. But let us not um, be distracted or apathetic towards this, but Spirit, put put a fire in our hearts that we would see that this is a privilege to be able to to walk into the throne room as royalty, to have the ear of the Father, and that, God, you're willing to consider our prayers, that you hear us. Lord, help us to pray and teach us how to pray. In your name, Jesus, amen.